Hello, and welcome to For the Journey, a podcast offering formation and inspiration to Christians longing for more of God in their lives and in the world. For the Journey is presented by Coracle, a ministry committed to inspiring and enabling people to be the presence of God in the brokenness of the world through spiritual formation for kingdom action. We want to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God so that you can go further into the world with God's loving, healing, redeeming power. For the Journey is a space where each week we hope to help you encounter God and live a more integrated life of faith in the world by offering a regular rhythm of reflections, guided spiritual practices, thoughtful conversations, and more. This week, we share a Space for God Bible reflection by Demetrius Somerville. He guides us through Matthew 14 as a window into how we might make space for God even in the thick of swirling distractions, rampant injustice, constant interruptions, and life's many storms. He invites us to look to Jesus as our model, the author and perfecter of our faith. Here's Demetrius. everyone. It's so good to, to meet you or e-meet you. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you all today as we encounter God's Word together. Uh, before we jump in, Bill, I want to thank you and the team at Coracle for creating this, this opportunity uh, to every week uh, for people to engage the scriptures and new spiritual practices to bring them closer to uh, the, the Father's heart. So thank you for the opportunity this morning. I have to bring the Word In my faith tradition growing up, uh, we didn't follow uh, the church calendar and participate in the Lenten season. Uh, All I remember was Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It has only been within the past decade or so that that I've grown to love the season. (laughs) Why is that? Um, I get to follow, we get to follow our Savior's example of retreating into the desert, so to speak, for 40 days and 40 nights to pray and fast. During this time, Jesus made space to be a vessel for his father to accomplish his will in the world through him. So it makes sense for me and all of us to emulate him in that. However, in the midst of this Lenten season, I'm faced with many distractions of all kinds like never before. So this kind of leads me to the subject of our time together this morning, which is, I'd like for us to look at the scriptures and discuss making space for God in the midst of distractions. Making space for God in the midst of distraction. But before we jump into the scriptures, let me offer a word of prayer for our time. Almighty God and Father, we your children come to you this morning, longing to hear your voice over and above the noise and to feel your strong presence in the face of life's fiercest storms. Prepare our hearts, O Lord, to hear your word and not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers as well. Speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening. And it's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, we'll start with verse 1, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. 
read with me. Um, when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. This is why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and, and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was, not, he was afraid to do so because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he made in front of guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who then took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. And as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. So we'll stop here right now and just kind of reflect on this. Can you imagine the anger and the rage that Jesus felt? His dear friend and co-laborer had suffered a political injustice in that he was arrested and imprisoned by Herod. Not only that, his life was brutally, was brutally ended by this politi politically charged murder all because he spoke out against the actions of Herod and Herodias. So we see Jesus is grieved upon learning of his friend's death. And it makes sense that he decides to get into a boat, go to a remote place to be by himself and to lament and to pray and to just grieve. Let's pick up with the second half of the verse and see what happens as Jesus is doing, trying to get away. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. So we see Jesus overwhelmed by grief. Then in the second half of verse 13, he's confronted and overwhelmed by the needs of the masses. As soon as he steps off the boat, thinking he's getting some private time, some alone time to go and grieve the loss of his dear friend. He was overwhelmed by the needs of the people. And if you remember in chapter 13, he had just spent time with a large crowd of people preaching and teaching them through parables. He was in the boat, they were on the shore, and he's preaching and teaching them. So I wonder, I didn't have time to do a lot of the, the, the research and the study. I'm not a, a theologian or a, a minister of the gospel, but I just wonder if they followed him to ask for explanations of those parables, kind of like the disciples did at dinner after he had met with them. I'm sure many of us can relate to that feeling. We have some plans, some time on the calendar to get away, to be by ourselves, and something all comes up and intrudes upon that time. I know how I'll respond 
if that happened to me. And it would not be the way our Savior responded with compassion. <laughs> I can tell you that now. Let's continue on in verse 15. Later that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. I'm sorry. Uh, yep, that's it. Then that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to his disciples who then distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So we'll stop there. So what we've seen so far is Jesus is overwhelmed by grief. Then he's overwhelmed by the needs of people. He's moved by compassion that led to action to heal their sick, to bless the loaves of bread, the two fish, and to fill their stomachs. The compassion led to action in the midst of all the distractions. If you've ever been to a Black family's cookout, it's common uh, that you go, whoever's preparing the food, you bring in to-go boxes. Like you just preemptively bring to-go boxes because you're gonna hand out excess food. So I guess this is where we learn to make an abundance of food. Um, so there are plenty of leftovers for everyone. So, but I digress. Uh, we've seen so far that Jesus is confronted again by grief and needs. Let's see what he does next. Immediately after this, in verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus finally had the opportunity to get alone, to be with his father, to pray, and I'm sure to grieve as well. So he retreats to the secret place, the quiet place, I'm reminded of Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, where it says, those who live in the shelter or the secret place of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord, says the psalmist. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. So that's the first takeaway I have for us as we think about space for God in the midst of distractions, retreating to that secret place of the Most High. Let's continue reading to see what happens as Jesus, in, he's in the middle of his alone time, his time in the hill country to pray. Verse 24, 
Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had arisen and they were fighting the heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, do not be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshiped Jesus. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. So we'll stop here. That was a lot to cover. And there's a lot in this passage. But I wanna call out just a couple of things. Jesus, he's praying and I assume grieving the loss of John the Baptist. And in the middle of the night, he realizes that there's a massive storm on the lake and his friends are in a boat on that lake and it could be deadly. Again, he's distracted by something, a storm, and the possibility of losing his friends. So Jesus is, but he retreated to that secret place and is praying, but he's also aware of what's going on around him. As I was preparing uh, for this time this morning, uh, I was actually preparing last week for the time and uh, kind of been going back and forth whether or not to share this story, but I'll share it briefly. Um, last week, we have some college friends who came to Orlando uh, for their spring break. And this you know, friend, Jared and his wife and their five, their five kids were here. And um, his wife and the older daughters went shopping. And so they're leaving the, the shopping center and they're, you know, she looks at her phone, her phone battery is like 1%. So she doesn't feel like she has, she can do an Uber. So she goes to the ride share place to get a taxi. There's a gentleman standing out or a man standing out um, with a minivan. He's like, hey, I'm a taxi service. You can come hop in, we'll take you to your hotel. So she hops into the van with her two daughters and immediately she felt something in her gut. Something's not right. And she looked up, didn't see a credit card uh, place to you know, pay with your credit card, didn't see a meter on the dash. And she pulled up her map real quick to see, like to pull up directions to the hotel. The guy pulled out of the parking lot and goes left when he should have gone right. At that point, she is you know, kind of losing it. What's gonna happen to me and my girls? She, it was like, I gotta get up, we gotta get out of here. So she was like, I have to throw up, please pull over, let, let me get out. And he didn't stop. She tried to open the door, couldn't open it. Finally, by God's grace, she got the door open, cars moving, she shoves her girls out onto the highway and they escape. 
my friends were nearly abducted. And Lord knows what would happen. And this happened in our backyard here in Orlando just last week. Distractions. What do we do in those moments? My friends, they're traumatized, of course, but they are, they're, they're safe and they're back home. But what do we do with, what do I do with that? I'm working, trying to be a husband, father, distracted. What do we do? There are many takeaways from this passage this morning that we've read, but I want us to focus on two. Number one, in verse 23, Jesus went up into the hill country to hills by himself to, to pray and to be with his father, to sit in that secret place of the most high in the midst of all the distractions. That's number one. Number two for me, my takeaway is in verse 29, where Peter is, you know, asked the Lord, can I come to you? Can I walk on the water? And he gets out of the boat and immediately he begins to walk on water because he fixed his eyes and his heart on Jesus. He fixed his heart and his gaze on Jesus as he stepped out of the boat. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, that's when he began to sink. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus did not immediately calm the storm? He could have calmed the storm when he was in the hills and stayed there in the mountains. But what did he do? In the midst of the storm, he went to be with his friends. I don't know about you this morning, but that encourages me that in the midst of life's storms, distractions, they may not cease, but our savior longs to be with us in the midst of them. He longs to be with us in the midst of them. May we long to be with him in those storms and in those distractions. So in conclusion, uh, Jesus faced the following distractions, political injustice, a politically charged or motivated murder, overwhelming grief as a result, the overwhelming needs of others, and a storm that threatened the lives of his friends. He's confronted with all of those things. We're not unlike him. We have the war in Ukraine happening as we speak and the implications of that for our world. The political and cultural landscape in America is polarized. The undercurrent of sadness and grief over the loss of more than 6 million image bearers due to COVID is real. The uncertainty and anxiety surrounding rising inflation rates and the supply chain challenges, distractions. And that's all on top of our personal family challenges and day-to-day -day life that's a grind sometimes. We're all confronted with distractions. But I like to just remind us again, two ways to create space for God in the midst of distractions from our passage. Retreat into the secret place of the most high to be with our Lord and to fix our eyes and our gaze and our heart onto Jesus, the author and the effect perfecter and finisher of our faith. Amen and amen. I'd like to close by 
reading um, just an excerpt from a devotion that devotional I read called God Calling was written by two unnamed women back in England, back in the 30s. And uh, it's been, it's blessed me uh, tremendously. And after I read this, I'll turn it over to you, Carla. Um, and the two women call themselves two listeners. They spent a year listening to God every single day together and they've journaled and here's one of their entries. My children, speaking of God, speaking from the position of, of Jesus, my children, I am here beside you. Draw near in spirit to me, shut out the distractions of the world. I am your life, the very breath of your soul. Learn what it is to shut yourself in the secret place of your being, which is my secret place too. True it is, I wait in many a heart, but so few retire to that inner place of being to commune with me. Wherever the soul is, I am actually at the center of everyone's being, but distracted with the things of the sense life, they find me not. Learning to shed ourselves into the secret place of our being, that's where Jesus is. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to For the Journey. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, you can explore past episodes and see what we're up to at inthecoracle.org and on social media at inthecoracle. If you were blessed by what you just heard, please subscribe as we'll be releasing new episodes each week. Please also feel free to rate and review the show and share this episode around with others who might be blessed by it. For the Journey is made possible by the generous support of our Coracle partners, the wonderful men and women who choose to support this ministry through their prayers and financial gifts. If you're one of our partners and are listening, we are so grateful for you. If you would like to join us as a sustaining partner, you can set up a monthly donation of any amount at inthecoracle.org support. The link is in the show notes. Our growing community of partners gets access to tailor-made resources, gifts, and events, and we would love for you to be a part of that. Our theme song is Mystery Hymn from our friends at Lowland Hum. Please give them a listen wherever you get your music. And so, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen, and we will see you on the journey. Hallelujah.